Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Good morning, North Coast Calvary Chapel. How are you guys doing today? It's really good to see you and be with you this morning. I have the opportunity to share with you guys, and I'm super excited. Um, This week, we do want to highlight an awesome event that we have going on here, and that's our Carols by Candlelight. It's going to be on Friday, and it is such a rad event, and we want you guys to know about it because we want you to use it as an opportunity to invite your friends, your family, your neighbors to come and worship um, our Lord and Savior Jesus together by singing carols together, and so it's going to be a rad event. And one thing we've had to consider this year that we normally don't have to is rain or shine. And rain or shine, we will be having the event. So whether it's raining or not, come. We'll have something going on, whether that's inside or out, we'll find out. But please come with us for that awesome event. Well, guys, right now today, what I get the opportunity of doing for you guys is kicking off the Advent season. So this December 1st, this first Sunday leading up to Christmas, um, I really want to encourage us and get us prepared for what is coming. And what we want to do in this Advent season, the beginning of these weeks leading up to, is what we want to do is look at the ancient stories but we want to use them as a catalyst to get us to look forward for what is coming for us. And so we want to be encouraged in this season of waiting that we find ourselves in. And so this is what we want to do. We want to share in the ancient expectancy of a Messiah, but all the while renewing our own faithfulness in the waiting for the kingdom of God. And so we're going to go through that together today. The first thing we're going to do in that ancient expectancy, what we want to do is we want to get ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites as they were waiting for the Messiah. We want to relate with them. We want to be able to feel their tension in the problems that they were facing and the things that they were going through and what they were hoping for, for God to do. And I think in that waiting and meeting them in their expectancy, we too can be encouraged in what we are waiting for. You see, they had whispers of a savior for over thousands of years. And it was just whispered through the scriptures as we get to see And for 400 years in the family we look at today, there was just silence from God where the prophets spoke in the last chapter of Malachi and then there was just silence. There was waiting. And so we're going to study just this family and look at their expectancy that they have for what God will do. And we're going to study this in looking at Zachariah's life. We want to understand how he is faithful. We see we're going to pull through examples of his faithfulness in the waiting. Despite his circumstances, despite the thing that he's going through, he is faithfully serving, faithfully waiting for the kingdom of God to come. And we want to pull from that example of how we are to live today in our lives. And so we want to study his example. We want to apply it to our lives. And ultimately identifying the kingdom of God is what we are waiting for. You see, they were waiting for the Messiah, and you and I get to celebrate in the reality that the Messiah has come, that our Savior has come, that Jesus conquered death on the cross. So what are we waiting for? Well, we are waiting for our King to return. And so that's what we're going to go through today as we study a lot of scripture. We have about 49 verses we're going to be digging through and pulling through. We're going to read the Word of God today, but we're going to bring it, because it is alive, is applicable to our lives today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. And before we go there, let's take a moment to pray. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it, to be encouraged by it, to learn from it, and to apply it to our lives. 
God, we pray that today in this message, your Holy Spirit would come and minister to each of us, Lord, as we hear the words that have been written down for us, as we study them together. God, would you bring encouragement that we each individually need to remain faithful in the waiting for your kingdom of God to come. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 is where we're going to start off. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. We want to use this family right here as our, as our example of an example of what a family looked like in this ancient time, in this time of waiting for Jesus to come. We look at this couple and what we see is we just see faithfulness. We see them that they are blameless, that they are righteous, and, but as a family, they have struggles. And beyond that, as a country, as a religion, as the Israelites, they have even more problems. And so there's waiting for them. For them personally, what they're dealing with is they're dealing with the stigma that comes in the reality of not having any children. The way that people look at them, the way that they even may think about themselves, they feel disgraced because they have not been given a child by God. And so they bear this together as a family, this reality of brokenness that they are experiencing, of wanting but not having received. And so as this family, they, they're in personal struggle, personal circumstances. But beyond that, their world is broken. Beyond that, the Israelites are facing ex- extreme persecution from the Romans. They're losing religious freedom. The taxes are incredibly high. Life is difficult. Even their youth and their family who are rebelling against them are being crucified. This is a difficult season for them as a people. And yet we look at this family and we ask ourselves, what are they, what are they waiting for? What is their expectancy? What are they hoping for? And so to help us understand their reality a little bit more, we're going to turn to the last chapter in the Old Testament, kind of this last words that were spoken as we enter into this time of waiting and as they come into. So we're going to look at Malachi chapter 4. It is one page in your Bible, so if you're trying to flip there quickly to find it, I don't know if you're going to get there, so you can follow along with us on the screen. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave to him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction." When reading this verse, what I want to identify, there are three things that I want us to see in reading this last chapter to help us feel 
the expectancy that the Israelites had in waiting for a Messiah. The first thing is there's a promise hidden in here. There's a promise that is relevant not only to the family that day and what they are looking for, but that promise is still relevant for us today and what we are waiting for. There's a command, a command to be obedient to the law of Moses that he has been given, that has been given to them, and a sign, something to look forward to so that they would know when this time will come for them. And so an important thing, though, and I think we can all relate to this, is whenever we read Old Testament scriptures that highlight the vengeance of the Lord, or when it talks about how God will bring about destruction and deal with unrighteousness, I think all of us kind of cringe a little bit inside, right? Because we've all come to embrace this reality that our God is a loving God who pursues people. We see it through the life of Jesus, how he goes after the lost. He has a love for every single individual. And we don't know how to reconcile that God that we've come to know through Jesus and the God that is spoken of that brings about destruction. We kind of read chapters like this and our tendency is like put our fingers in our ears and be like, eh, like I can't hear. I don't know. God loves everybody. That was just, that was, I didn't, right? But if we do that, we miss out on the truth that is being spoken. If we do that, we miss out on the reality of what our righteous God is saying through this scripture. I want you to look at the first verse with me. It highlights the arrogant and the evildoer. And what it says, this is important, is it says that not a root or a branch will be left. This is what we want, friends and family. I know it's hard for us to hear these verses, but we want our God to deal with evil and pride in this world. I don't know how many of you have ever gardened before, right? Or how many of you have ever pulled a weed? But when you pull a weed and you just yank it out, what always happens? It breaks off and what's left? The roots. The roots just sit there, right? And you just feel you either got to get in there and dig them out or you're like, it's just going to come back in a short time longer. Or when you pull it out and bits and pieces of it begin to break and the seeds fall off, right? More is just being planted, even as you're working to pull it out. But what this promise here in Malachi is to not only the people that we're studying about today, but also to us, is that God is going to come and he is going to deal with evil and with the arrogant, the pride, and he is going to root it out. There's going to be a day where he is going to remove it completely. Think about how evil has affected your life. Think about how evilness has affected the lives around you. How has it affected generations This promise in the scripture here is that that evil will finally be dealt with. That is a promise that Zachariah and his family are looking forward to. And that is a promise that we too still hold on to, a thing that we are looking forward to. So that is the promise. The command for these people is to be obedient to the law of Moses. That is what we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, that they have been faithful, they have been obedient, they have been righteous and blameless before God. And then a sign, something that we're going to see shortly come up, is to look for Elijah. So that is what it looks like to share in the expectancy of a Messiah. I want you guys right now to just bring to your own mind the areas that you are seeing personal struggle or you are seeing personal brokenness, whether that be in your family. I know we just celebrated Thanksgiving, all of the family together. And last time I was with my family, there was just, we were together, we we're happy and joyful, but there was so much brokenness yet in my family. 
and the expectancy that they had in their brokenness is that God is going to come. God is going to save us. That God is going to come and answer these things. As we start off this Advent season, we want to, we want to, we want to share in the expectancy of a Messiah. And now what we want to do is we want to, we want to focus in on renewing our faithfulness in the waiting. And so let's turn. We're going to go back to Luke. We're going to look at verse 8 and continue on in the story of Zechariah. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What we want to study right now as we go in is we want to pull from the example of Zachariah's life and his faithfulness and how he lived in this season of waiting. Verse 11 here is when Gabriel shows up in the altar, right? Can you imagine that Gabriel is one like, or I'm sorry, Zachariah is one like the lottery of priests, right? There, there's assumed to be about 20,000 priests in this time and lots are cast and he wins the opportunity to be able to stand in the holy temple of the Lord alone and worship God. It is such a privilege for him. And so can you imagine him there? He's in this temple, this holy, sacred place that represents the presence of God. And he is before their burning incense. What incense often represents in the Bible is prayers rising up before God. It talks about it in Psalms and Revelations that the prayers of his people rise as an incense. And so Zechariah is bearing the responsibility of bringing the prayers of the people and even praying himself before God. And what happens I don't know if his eyes are closed. I don't know if he's sitting there worshiping, praying in himself, and suddenly Gabriel's there. Boom. Have you ever been like terribly frightened before? Like somebody startled you, like you're alone somewhere doing something where nobody else is supposed to be, and then snap, somebody comes in there and like ruins it for you. I kind of love doing that to people. I love scaring people sometimes. My favorite one is, you know, I, uh, I had a friend once and we were parked at a stoplight, leaving church actually, so down on uh, Palomar Airport Road in Aviara, I guess, and we're sitting there and I pulled up behind him and I'm like, man, this is a great opportunity. So I put my car in park, hopped out, crept up to the window. We just watched like a, a scary movie like recently and I just like came up the window and it was just like, bang! And he was just like, oh, it was, it was classic, right? Well, imagine Zachariah, right? He's just sitting there, Gabriel, who knows how long Gabriel was watching him and he's just like, yeah, just doing his thing. And then suddenly, whoa, what are you doing here, right? And so Gabriel, at first 11, when he shows up, he breaks this 400 years of silence. 
But that didn't change because that whole time, Zachariah is an old man and he has been faithful that entire time. But we get to see in the story is him breaking that silence. So let's look at the life of Zachariah. Let's study how he was faithful and let us apply that to our own lives. He was faithful in the waiting. Well, the first way that he was faithful in the waiting is he lived an obedient and righteous life. Sometimes obedience is hard. Sometimes righteousness is difficult. But Zechariah was living an obedient and righteous life. He was serving. In his faithfulness, he was found serving. He was found serving the God, no matter his circumstances, right? He has plenty of, of circumstances or reasons not to serve God, where serving God has not worked out for him. Serving God has not earned him a son. Serving God has not earned them to come out from under the rule of the Romans. But he is faithfully serving God. We, in our waiting, we are to be faithful in serving. We also see his faithfulness in the waiting by the way that he has been crying out in prayer to God. Gabriel says, your prayer has been heard. Now, was Zachariah praying for a son at that exact moment? That would be a surprise. He's an old guy, and he's got to have a lot of faith that he's still praying for his son in his old age. But certainly it was a prayer that he brought up at some point during his life. Certainly it was something he brought before the God, the pain of his wife bearing this disgrace before the people because of the stigma that was there, because they just didn't know. And so they accused her of just, you know, maybe you're just, God's not happy with you. God, show us your faithfulness. Give us a son. Gabriel says your prayer has been answered. But surely in the role that he was playing as, in his priestly duty, what he was doing is he was bringing the prayers before his people to God. And certainly he was praying for Israel. He was praying, God, send us a savior. Send us a Messiah. Get us out from under this Roman rule. This is an example of faithfulness in the waiting. Friends, we too are in the waiting. And we too are called to be faithful in the season of waiting. And we can learn from Zachariah's life how to, what an example of that looks like. I think an important thing for all of us to be doing, friends and family, is for us to be praying in the waiting. I think when our voices begin to unite and our cries for God to come and heal our land and heal our brokenness, when we do that together, regularly, faithfully, he will respond. He will come and he will bring his kingdom. But Zachariah's life has even more an example of faithfulness for us. I think when I tell people we're going to study Zachariah's faithfulness, people might laugh at me because they might be a little more familiar with the story. The reality is that Zachariah didn't have much faith, but he is living a faithful life. And what we're going to look at right now is the reality there's a disconnect between living a faithful life and being full of faith. I think it's something that our language kind of disconnects. And so we think of being faithful, you have to be full of faith. But what we're going to learn and study in Zechariah's life is that is not necessarily the case. Let's look at verse 18 together. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? This is an important sentence. This is the distinguishing mark. You see, Gabriel also visits Mary tells Mary that she is to have a son. But you see, Mary asks a question as well. Her question is, how? 
How is this going to happen? You see, she's just generally confused because she's like, I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a child, right? She's trying to connect the dots. She doesn't get it. She asks how to Gabriel. Gabriel explains it to her. But for Zachariah, he says, what proof can I have that this is going to happen? Have you ever asked God to prove anything to you? Prove his love to you? To just give you a sign. God, I'm just going to open my Bible just tell me that you're real. Just do something, right? I know for me, I'm challenged in in carrying the word of God sometimes and speaking on Sunday nights. We've had a space where we're able to just, where the Lord speaks and bring that word. I've felt before God sharing, putting a word in my heart to share with people, but I'm like, God, I, I need proof here. Will you like send somebody else and they say like, you're supposed to go so that I know that I'm supposed to go so that I can believe that we ask for proof sometimes of God. And that's what Zachariah is doing. He's asking for proof. Whereas Mary, she said, how? Gabriel answered and she said, may it be done unto me. But for Zachariah, he didn't believe. And so we see how, he, how the angel deals with that. Verse 19, well, he says, I am an old man, my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. You see, faithfulness is a matter of doing. Eugene Peterson puts it, a long obedience in in the same direction. Faithfulness is a matter of doing, and we see faithful living in Zechariah's life. But having faith is a matter of believing. Zechariah just, he wanted proof. He didn't believe. When the Gabriel says, you're going to have a son, his belief should have been, that's amazing, this is good news. But he, said, and he says, what proof? Faith is a matter of believing. And the, the word that I want to give you today, the encouragement that I want to give you, is that God deals with your faith. God is the one who gives you faith. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Romans 12, 3 says this, but rather think of yourselves in sober judgment in accordance to the faith God has distributed to each of you. Mark 9, 24 is a story where a man whose son is sick and on the verge of death, he asked Jesus for a miracle. And Jesus says, with faith, it's possible. And the man says, I believe, but help me with my disbelief. It is God who gives us faith, friends. Now, we need to ask God for faith. But the reality of what I want you to see in Zechariah's life is you can live a faithful life even when you have disbelief. Even when you're struggling to have faith, you still have the opportunity to be faithful. There is still room to live a faithful life even when you struggle to believe. I think oftentimes as Christians, what happens to us is we encounter a doubt We want the proof of God's love. It's difficult for us to believe these things. And so therefore we feel disqualified and we turn and run because we feel that our disbelief means that we must not be faithful. But in Zachariah's life, he lived a faithful life even even though he struggled to believe. But again, it is God 
who gives us faith. And so when we encounter disbelief, when we encounter a lack of faith, we can bring that before God. Let's continue on in Zechariah's story, verse 18, or I'm sorry, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. For his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Can you imagine the faith that is being produced in Zechariah in this season. Can you imagine his belief in God that is taking place? First, can you even imagine what it's like to just completely lose your voice? Not just be hoarse, but like the inability to speak. Zechariah comes out of the temple after experiencing this thing. Could you imagine if I lost my voice right now? How awkward that would be. This is what Zechariah would have felt like, right? He has no voice. The inability to speak, that faith. Why can't I do this? Is this really going to come to pass? This inward talk. He goes home. His wife becomes pregnant. Faith just being built up in him. Watching her grow. Faith. Look at what God is doing before me. Imagine the faith that God is giving Zechariah. This is going to be the father of John. John was a weird guy, and that's because his dad had great faith, all right? Luke, let's go back to Luke 57, when it was, or Luke 157. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about, about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with them. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is where Zachariah's faith is being perfected, right? Now in this moment, he can finally speak and he begins to just praise God. This whole process of becoming from disbelief where God is working in him, creating belief, giving him faith. And now he's prophesying, he's speaking, he's praising God. But what he begins to praise God for is he's not just praising God for the reality that God has given him a son. The faith that has been produced in Zechariah is his ability now to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. He praises God for raising up a horn of salvation for the house of David. He sees that God isn't just giving him a son. God is bringing a Messiah. 
he sees that his small part is part of a bigger picture. His faith is greater in God than it was before. But we can, we can learn from his example because we can be faithful in the waiting. And even when we encounter disbelief, even when we're struggling to believe, we can still choose to be faithful. God is worth waiting on. We need to choose to wait faithfully. I think in our day and age today, when we think about waiting for anything, we just kind of like, if you have like a a big thing coming up, like a trip or something, you're not sitting there just living life. You're like trying to get through everything because you just want that day to come. But what God is calling us to do through the example of Zechariah is to continue in faithfulness in the waiting. Faithfulness in the waiting looks like being obedient and righteous. It looks like serving. And it looks like praying and crying out to God. And what are we crying out for? Zechariah got a bigger picture of what God is doing. What are we waiting for? Well, we're all waiting for something. We all have experienced brokenness. We all have seen where there's just the need for God to come in our lives to show up. We can identify with Zechariah the personal struggle that they've had. We're all in waiting. But for Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were waiting on the Messiah. What are we waiting for? We've received our Messiah. Jesus has come. He died on the cross. He defeated death. He has forgiven us of our sins. So what are we waiting for, friends? We are waiting for the kingdom of God to come. We are waiting for that promise in Malachi. Because even though Jesus died, there's still so much evil in this world. Even though the war has ended, there's still battles that are continuing to rage on, and we feel that in our lives. We are waiting for God to come and completely and finally root out evil and not leave any branches behind. We are waiting for the kingdom of God to come. I want to invite the band to come out as we think about that and consider our waiting. I love to consider everyone's in this room just the individual brokenness that we've experienced or that we are aware of where we're looking for God to come. We represent so many different things of brokenness, of different sicknesses, of different people that we've lost where we're just, God, come, show up, please. The reality is, though, friends, that if God just comes and brings solution to that one problem, there's still going to be more. For Zechariah, it wasn't just about getting a son. There was a bigger picture of what God needed to do. In our brokenness, in the areas where we want God to come, there's a bigger picture of what he wants to do. He doesn't want to just pull the root or the weed out and leave the roots. He wants to come and take care of all the evil. He wants to bring full healing to the land. That is what we're waiting for. And so in the waiting, let us continue in faithfulness as we wait for his kingdom to come. Let us stand right now. And with the worship band, let's sing. And let us pray out and let us cry out and ask God for him to give us faith. I had the opportunity and privilege of traveling to Jordan. I went to 
Lebanon and to Jordan to visit some of our mission partners. And I was in this town called Mafrak in Jordan. And it's on the crossroads of Syria. And they had received a ton of refugees and in this, planet, in this place. And we were, we were talking with the missionaries that were there and they're local Jordanians. And they, we were talking about what was happening in Syria and how the government is, you know, all the things that was going on in the refugee crisis. But in Jordan, it's a monarchy. They still have a king. Their government has a king. And they said to me this most profound thing. They said, what is happening in Syria would never happen in Jordan. Because if the people became angry against the government, the king would come down to the streets and he would meet the people and he would make things right with the people. Guys, what we are waiting for is we are waiting for our king to come. We are waiting for him to come and bring his kingdom and make things right with all the people. To do away with evil and to do away with pride, to root it out completely. That is what we are waiting for. We are waiting for God to come and bring solution to all these things. But what we are waiting for is we're waiting for his kingdom to come. And in that waiting, we want to be renewed in our faithfulness. We want to be renewed in how we're waiting for God. We want to be obedient. We want to be righteous. We want to be serving his kingdom, giving our lives for his kingdom to build it on this earth. And we want to be praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Father, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is our desire. This is what we are waiting for, friends. We're waiting for his kingdom to come. And in the midst of our faithfulness, when we struggle with faith, when we struggle with disbelief, we trust in these words in Philippians 1.6 that say, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We trust him to give us faith. And so as we prepare this and enter into this Advent season, what we want to do and what we want to hold on to today is sharing in the expectancy, the ancient expectancy of the Messiah. And we want to be renewed in our faithfulness, in our waiting for the kingdom of God. So let me pray for you. And today, friends, I've ended early. The message is short, but the response is here. So I encourage you that as we finish this message, that you begin to respond to God, that you begin to cry out to him for his kingdom to come, because that is the solution that you are longing for, for your problems and for your struggles. And so God, we cry out to you, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want Lord, your reigning power to come and be amidst our lives, God. We want your healing power to come and touch our friends and family, God. We want to see your kingdom come on earth, God. So Lord, we just cry out, God, give us faith. And may we respond in faithfulness, God. May we respond by living our lives for you in obedience and righteousness. May we live our lives for you in service of your kingdom. And may, God, we continue to cry out, not as individuals, but as a group of people, as your church, God, crying for your kingdom to come. So, Lord, that is what we ask together. We worship you today, our King Jesus. Come. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.